Welcome once again to the Chapter 49 podcast. Today is Thursday, June the 2nd, 2022. We're recording this in the early afternoon, Central Indiana time. We welcome you to our Chapter 49 podcast. Once again, we appreciate uh, the fact that you've chosen to join us and taken the time to do so. Whether you're watching us on video or you are listening via the audio podcast, And uh, Duncan Giles, our chapter president, is back as always. And Duncan, I looked at our numbers the other day. The last three weeks, we've seen an uptick in our video views. So for some reason, people actually want to see our faces. And if nothing else scares people today, that really should right there. (laughs) Because that frightens the heck out of me. People are choosing to watch the video. If I were them, I'd much rather hear the audio, but that's just me. Okay. (laughs) Just want to say a couple of words. I mean, I I think that um, what we're seeing just in the last few days on mass shootings, you know, one in in an elementary school of all places, now the most recent before we record this, in a hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm not going to make, I could go on a rant and I won't. I'm just going to to leave my comments at this. I think everyone in every workplace, and IRS is a workplace like any other, should simply do the very basic sorts of things that NTU and management has always encouraged them to do. You know, be on the lookout, watch for suspicious activity, and report it. I think we all need to be a part of keeping our workplaces safe. Absolutely correct, Larry. That's you know, it's a tragedy that these kinds of things continue to happen. And all we can do at this point uh, is just be, like you said, be aware. If you see something suspicious, say something. It may be nothing, but it may be everything. So, you know, report it even if you think it's a little bit out of whack. Yeah. And, and you know, we've all worked in these workplaces, most of us. Uh, there are a few new people, but in Indiana particularly, you know, we, we haven't had a lot of hirings, although there are efforts, and we'll talk more about that later in the podcast. Uh, but I, I do think most of us have worked in these workplaces for a long time, and you know what's normal and what's not. If something doesn't look right, you should report it. And, and uh, I think that's the message that you have given uh, people in our chapter for a long time. And uh, I simply want to do this as a reminder. And rather than getting into the whole issue of how to prevent shootings, I think we could talk for hours about that and probably right. not make any difference, sadly. So uh, we're going to get into our issues for today. You know, COVID, you know, we started this podcast uh, a little more than two years ago in the midst of the worst of COVID. COVID had just descended upon all of us and, of course, the federal government as well. And uh, we were on, remember, uh, what was it? Weather and safety leave. Remember that when everybody yep. got at home, uh, we, it was so new. Nobody knew what to do. So they simply paid people to stay home until we all figured out what uh, to do next. I mean, that's how serious COVID was at the time. No vaccines and very few, if any, uh, treatments that were uh, that were that were uh, viable or able to help people. Well, COVID has not gone away. We do have the vaccines. We have a little better way to treat people than before. But, you know, Duncan, there are still people nationally who are sadly hospitalized and dying. Now, an example is where I live in Fishers, Indiana, which is a suburb of Indianapolis of about 100,000 people. Uh, we are one of the highest vaccin- and the, high- the highest vaccination rates of any place in Indiana. Very high percentage of vaccinations. 
So we've seen an uptick uh, gone from low to medium in our health department measure as far as COVID and, and its spread. But we have only seen a very small increase in, in the hospitalizations, which is a very good thing. But we are seeing localities where COVID levels are beginning to spike. So what does that mean for the IRS workplace in those local areas? Yeah, that's when it starts to go from low to medium and especially medium to high, that's when things are going to kick in. If it's going to medium, those folks who have not been what IRS calls fully vaccinated are going to need to be tested. And that's going to involve, you know, getting a test kit from this company that the IRS is contracted with, um, you know, setting up a time to do it and then, um, you know, doing it in front of a camera proctor, so to speak, so they can observe you taking the test and uh, go from there. If it goes too high, where sadly a lot of our locations outside of Indiana are starting to go to, uh, then everybody's going to be required to wear a mask regardless of vaccination status. So unfortunately, this is not going away. Uh, the COVID uh, strain continues to mutate. And it's going to continue to mutate. I'm very happy, as you mentioned, that it doesn't seem to be as severe as it was or as deadly, but it's still out there and it's still impacting a lot of people. So take every precaution that you can so that you don't uh, you don't catch this. It's it's no fun for anybody, as you can well tell. And at this point, do we know whether there are any places in Indiana that uh, are going to have to, let's say, go to a mask mandate to get over this. I don't, there are some places in the country where that's happening. Is that, uh, are we close or at that place in Indiana anywhere you're aware? Uh, no, we are not. There have been a couple that have gone to medium, as you indicated, um, you know, up in your area. It's gone to a medium. So far in Indiana, we've not gone back to high risk, but that could change any week. So that's, you know, the SCR organization monitors that and changes that designation every Friday. So it's something to be aware of. Um, you know, I'm not I'm seeing a ton of them that are saying, okay, yeah, everything's great. It's continued. You're starting to see more and more go from that low to medium and, you know, check with your, uh, you know, the, on the IRS source, it has that information of what your particular state and areas uh, level is at this point. And you mentioned one factor involved here, and that's whether you are fully vaccinated. Now, we've had vaccinations uh, in many different ways. There have been two boosters. If you had the uh, anything but J&J, there are two boosters that you could take. I've had both of them. Not everybody has. So I guess what is the definition under the IRS definition anyway of full vaccination? IRS definition of fully vaccinated is going by the executive order, which is the one shot of J&J or the two shots of the Moderna or Pfizer. The booster um, is something that is highly recommended, but is not mandatory to be considered fully vaccinated, which is not a term that the CDC uses. Correct. But you're right. The executive order did. And so that's where the disconnect is there. But I think at least we do have a definition. You must have one J&J &J or two of the other approved uh, vaccines. Uh, 
boosters are recommended at my age. Boosters are pretty much excited. If you don't get it, you're, you're taking a lot of risk. So, uh, yeah, my wife just uh, got hers the other day. And you might have mild symptoms the day after, but it's it was nothing serious for either one of us. Since we're talking about COVID, let's bring up something else related to that. We've talked about this uh, recently in our podcast. This vaccine mandate has been in the courts. One judge did strike down the vaccine mandate the president had ordered for federal employees. The federal appeals court, a, a three-judge panel in that appeals court, ruled two to one that no, the president does have the authority to do this. It's been held up in the courts by, well, you know, the usual, you know, uh, pleadings that go on. Now we're at a juncture, based on what I've read in a couple of articles I've seen online from some reputable sources that follow federal employee issues, that it is possible that if the federal appeals court says uh, that we're not going to have the entire appeals court judge, that there's like several judges, more than three, for the entire appeals court in New Orleans, if, if the decision is that now we're not going to hear the case at the full court, as soon as June the 10th, there could be a vaccine mandate in place. Now, of course, the Supreme Court could always issue a stay. That's kind of rare, but it could happen, I guess. But assuming there's no stay from the Supreme Court, if the uh, full appeals court in New Orleans decides not to hear this case and let they let that three-judge federal panel ruling stand, we could see the vaccine vaccine mandate come back as soon as June 10th, if there are no other delays. So the question then comes up, is IRS ready to handle the vaccine mandate if it becomes effective under this executive order on June the 10th? I think I can fairly say with a lot of confidence that the IRS is as well prepared as just about every other federal agency is for this. Which is not prepared at not, all. Exactly. We, exactly. They're they're not ready for this whatsoever. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that at this point they've been told, they've been, uh, you know, OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, has basically told agencies at this point there is no, you know, until the courts are finished ruling, there is no mandate uh, enforcement. Now, like you said, if, if the uh, appeals court declines to hear it with the full appeal court and the Supreme Court doesn't intervene, then it's OK, we're, we're going to have to get ready. How fast agencies, including the IRS, are going to be able to gear up is anybody's guess. My guess is not very quick. Right now, the uh, folks are concentrating on hiring. They're not concentrating their efforts on what to do about the vaccine mandate. There are all those reasonable accommodations that have been sitting there for people, uh, either medical or religious, uh, to not have the vaccine that would still have to be looked at. So it would take, um, you know, this, this organization is not known for being able to turn on a dime. And I don't think that would happen in this case either. I think it would take some time for it to uh, gear up in that eventuality. And in the meantime, people will be working in the workplace, vaccinated or not. Is that the way it's going to work? I would believe so. Yes, that would be my guess. Okay. So if you've got a pending uh, reasonable accommodation, let's say for religious reasons, and it hasn't been acted upon and you're not vaccinated, you still come into the workplace, right? That would be my understanding until something, uh, until there's a ruling on that. I don't know if they'd sit there and do provisionals or not. I, I'm not sure they know. Uh, 
at this point. And when I say they, it's the high ups at the IRS. This is not an NTEU issue. This is an IRS issue and federal government agencies, other federal government agencies issues on what they have to do on how to proceed with this. So we at NTU locally and nationally can discuss impact and implementation, but not the actual rollout of this. So it's, it could prove interesting if we got a sudden decision saying the mandate is back in effect. And yeah, you make a very good point. I mean, the, the, uh, the agency has to act and then NTEU would mm-hmm. react unless the agency brings us in. And in recent years, we have not seen that. They call that pre-decisional involvement. Well, we haven't seen a whole lot of that, have we? At, at time, yeah, in, in previous years, there has not been. Uh, the last couple, at times, there has been. I would hope that um, the IRS leadership would reach out to um, to Tony Reardon, our national president, Doreen Greenwald, our national vice president, to have these preliminary discussions about this, because it's it's something that could be a, uh, it's it's not going to be smooth regardless, but the uh, the less of a cluster hoo-ha that it could be, the better for everyone, I think. All right. So what I'm uh, hearing you say, well, let, me, let me put it this way, and to be fair, and you've touched on this earlier, based on what I've read, IRS is not an outlier. Almost every federal agency is in the same boat. They're just not ready. They, they I think, are assuming that this will be delayed further in the courts. And the articles I'm reading are, well, it's possible, but it's also very possible June 10th, as early as June 10th, this could happen. So we're watching this NTEU. We'll continue to keep you updated on this in our various modes of communication, this podcast and our uh, Facebook page, which is uh, NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. If you need a link to that, get to Duncan. Duncan Giles will be glad to give you the link to our newest page uh, because the old one had to move for reasons we're not going to get into. By the way, I I see that Cheryl Sandberg has left the job as head of Meta, formerly known as Facebook. So uh, we. (laughs) I didn't know if it was her, Mark Zuckerberg, that had it out for us. Somebody did, and you know, but that's it is what it is. Oh well. Moving on to another issue, and you've um, talked about hiring. Uh, we've known that the people in submission processing with this huge paper inventory desperately trying to hire places like Kansas City and, and some others around the country, Austin, I think Ogden. There are several places where IRS is trying to hire submission processing people uh, just about every way they can. They've had job fairs. They've outreached in, in a number of different ways. But now I think uh, the service is also seeing that in accounts management, the telephone sister cadre has is now they're seeing some some warning signs there. There are just not enough people to answer the phones. So accounts management is now ramping up its hiring. Explain what's going on there. Yeah, we're at a we're at a level where maybe one in five, maybe a little bit more overall for the fiscal year of taxpayers are able to get through. And that's just simply horrible. But it is what it is because we haven't been able to do the hiring. And so now they are trying to do hiring in every single um, post of duty that has a uh, an accounts management function across the country. They're holding, uh, they're going to be holding virtual uh, job fairs online uh, several times in the month of June to try and drum this up. They're hoping to get 
uh, several thousand people over the next two years uh, to join the ranks of accounts management, which has traditionally been a foot in the door in the IRS, to try and uh, beef up the phone lines so we can get some sort of level of service that would be acceptable for all of us. Because the, the to be honest with you, the executives don't like the low level of service either. Nobody does. Congress doesn't. We don't. The administration doesn't. Nobody does. But we have to have the bodies to increase that. Very well said. And uh, I, I do think that this is a challenge uh, for the management to be able to hire an accountant. I mean, submission processing, it's not easy, but it's a pretty rote job. You're processing, stapling, you're bringing paper in and out. I mean, some people do make decisions and evaluations. Others are just, just moving the paper through. In accounts management, you've got to use some judgment. You're, you're, you're taking a phone call in and uh, trying to figure out what to do with it. So it does take a little time training and coaching to get somebody up and ready. And to compound that, we're also hiring a seasonal instead of permanent, which you know takes its toll because most people from the outside, if they're not familiar with the organization, look at this and go, seasonal, well, I don't want a job that lasts six months. I want a job that's year-round. So, you know, they don't know that, you know, our seasonals have been working darn near year round for several years. They, they don't understand that. And then you've got the pay. Uh, you know, if you can go down the street and start at a Wendy's at $17 an hour in some places, you know, why would you want to go and do something that's uh, much tougher and more complex? Um, and it is, uh, involves a little bit more, um, having to have a tougher skin because of the nature of the calls coming in for the last year or so, your last year or two, uh, to do that with the IRS. So it's, it's a tough road to hoe for, uh, the folks that are doing the hiring. They are trying different things. I will give them that they're, they're trying different things that they can think of. So it's, but it's still going to be very difficult to do with those constraints I just mentioned. Well, I, mean, I, I say one thing, Duncan, I do remember talking to you while you were serving on the, the National Agreement Committee. Uh, you were another, you were on the bargainers on the union side where the National Agreement was bargained. I know that NTEU put forth some proposals where current employees would get a bonus for recruiting somebody new. Whatever happened to that? Uh, I believe it is still in effect. Management went ahead and did their own program because we couldn't come up with um, parameters that we thought fit everything. I think there is a side letter on that, which means we did come to some sort of agreement. It's not in there. But it's it's basically somebody has to refer you from the start. You might receive up to $250 once they've been there six months and another $250 after they've been there a year. Um, so it's not a huge amount of money, but it's out there. Um, you know, but you, you weigh that with a lot of people going, I'm not sure I want to be here. Do I want to, you know, have my, uh, and it's not open to your family. So it's only open to friends. Do I want to tell my friends that I want, you know, to do this? Very good point. <laughs> you may lose a friend over this. You may gain 500 bucks if somebody stays a year, but you may lose a friend. No, but in all honesty, that's. I just wanted to know if that program was right. I know you'd mentioned there were some efforts 
by management to do that uh, with some input from IRS, from NTU to IRS. But that, uh, and I know that the, you could not reach agreement of the national agreement. So at least there is something out there. It's not a huge incentive, but, but it is there. Now, I think coupled with hiring is this whole issue of retention because, uh, and, and you've mentioned before that this was a, a very big issue that was brought up by the union at the National Agreement Bargaining table. that, you know, the management was, was bent on making sure they could hire quickly and have as uh, streamlined a, a system as possible. And NTU was not against that if certain safeguards were in there. But now, you know, the, the, the point was made at the table by the union, you have to retain these people. You're going to hire all the people you want. But if they're not retained, then it's no retention to speak of. Then you're you're just you know kicking the can down the road. You've still got the same problem. And I know that uh, the uh, national union officials and national uh, officials of IRS had a recent meeting on this issue. Uh, do you think anything uh, any headway was made in in, in in retention. I mean, I, I can go on my rant. I went on a lot of a previous podcast as a former manager about retention and how I think it's within management's ability to improve that. And I haven't seen any indication that there's been anything done. So is there hope on the horizon or are we kind of stuck where we are? That's, that's the $64,000 question, Larry. Um, ret- huge issue to our national folks. Um, you know, Tony Reardon, Doreen Greenwald, our national uh, director of negotiations, Ken Moffat, head of field operations, Dan Casper, down to every single chapter president that I know of. Uh, and I've had discussions with many of them on this. We are all very, very, very concerned about, you know, these new people coming in and they're going, there are way too many of them going right back out the door in a short amount of time because there's not enough coaching. There's not enough mentoring. There's not enough willingness among a lot of managers. There are the majority of managers in the IRS are great. I will say that they're great. They understand what they need to do. They're willing to help. They want people to be on board, but we do still have a sizable minority who feel that it's their job to drive out people that don't fit. And it's just become such a huge, huge issue because apparently they're having either a direct or indirect impact on these new hires. We try and get numbers on retention for different divisions. And you and I were talking earlier this week about uh, something that happened um, during the Vietnam War called the Five O'Clock Follies, where the news conferences would be giving out information that reporters finally were just like, this has no basis in reality. So we're not even listening to it. And some of the numbers that I've heard given from executives, either to national, um, NTU national, or to me personally, I call BS on because I know that it's much higher than they're saying. I know the percentage is much higher. And it's a huge, huge issue. We bring these people in, we spend money to do it. We know that we need people, and yet we drive them out. You know, and that's not even counting the cost of the training that we're doing, much less you know the recruiting efforts and things of that nature. So the IRS must do a better job 
on uh, retaining folks that are coming in, screening them, make sure that you're getting people that are the right fit for the right jobs, then hiring them and giving them the help they need so they can succeed. You know, the job's not going to be right for everybody. You're always going to have some fallout. That's understood. But the numbers that we're seeing, and again, I understand it's a pandemic. We've been training from home. It is absolutely not ideal, but it's still way, way, way too much of a fallout that we're having percentage-wise. And I'll mention once once again that we uh, are having issues with our video. The audio is fine, but there's a the, the video is freezing on occasion, and sometimes uh, what Duncan is saying doesn't match up uh, with his voice, and, and what you're seeing and what he's saying don't match up. So I apologize for that. It's just a connection problem that we're still struggling with. I want to talk about something that always happens when the workload is absolutely out of sight. We've seen this happen before, but never to the extent we see it today. In Taxpayer Advocate Service, we're seeing this in a quite radical way, but it's happening elsewhere, particularly in the collection uh, division of compliance, where you know the revenue officers are given huge caseloads and inventories. We've also seen this in, in examination where the audits are done, where uh, the people working these are just given unrealistic expectations on, on their uh, caseloads or just, just the uh, amount of work they have been assigned. Uh, when that happens, Duncan, what uh, advice do you give employees? Um, basically, let management know exactly what you're doing. Okay, if management has priorities, ask them to list out the priorities one through eight, and you'll take care of whatever number you can hit one through five during an eight-hour workday. But no employee, none, should have to be giving what we call love time working off the clock to try and keep up with their inventory. And we know for a fact that this happens, as you mentioned, in, uh, in tax, our folks in taxpayer advocate have ridiculous caseloads. And they're just, because of the way that they're set up, they're saying they can't do anything about it, which I don't agree with, but that's neither here nor there at this point. Collection, exam, you know, you can't expect to hit your program numbers, to hit your expectations, to hit things that are in the IRM, when you have a heck of a lot less people doing the work that used to be done by, you know, 20 to 30% more just a few years ago. The work continues to come in and increase, but your numbers that are working them aren't matching that increase. So therefore it's buried. So we try and tell people if you're starting to get dinged, and you're doing your flat level best during your workday to keep up. If you're getting dinged for, you know, not making your contacts or, you know, not contacting a taxpayer or, um, you know, not doing a visitation when you need to be doing it or something of that nature, not touching a case in a certain amount of days. You know, if this is due to excessive inventory, let your manager know. If your manager is not sympathetic, contact your union chapter because we've seen this time and again where we've been told nationally look we're just trying to you know we have to assign the work we're not dinging people on it we want to make sure that they can do as much as they can do but we're not going you know we know they're overloaded but we're not going to punish them for it but if you start to hit where it's uh starting to punish you i.e your evaluation documentation things of that nature 
outside of your control, as most of this is, you shouldn't be held responsible for it. Yeah, I'm sorry, Duncan. Again, you were a little, uh, we missed a little bit of what you said, but I think we, we caught everything that was important there. And uh, bottom line is you check with the NTEU. If you feel you're given an unrealistic expectation on the amount of work you've been assigned, and I know at the national level that uh, the National Union has spoken many times to the Fair Advocates Office, and we think we've reached some kind of an agreement uh, at the national level, and it doesn't always filter down locally, does it? That's, that's the problem. A lot of times these issues are worked at a very high level, and, you know, and there's agreement there. But by the time it gets down to the second or frontline manager, it's just gone. And the employees are the ones that suffer. Let's talk about an issue we've discussed before. It gets hoteling. And again, it's not the IRS putting people up in hotels. Hoteling <laughs> is about sharing space and you know not having your own desk, so to speak, uh, with so much uh, telework going on. If you are teleworking, you will probably be sharing a desk with someone, if not now, sometime in the future, especially with hiring going on and with new hires not even eligible for to work for at least a year and maybe longer. So we're dealing with issues of space, the amount of space IRS has for people to do their work. Uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, this is something that is <clears throat> almost a continual discussion going on with the different posts of duties across the country. How many people are you putting in there? How many desks do you have? How many people are actually doing frequent telework? Because if you're doing frequent telework contractually, you do not have the right to your own individual desk. You are going to be desk sharing. Now, in a lot of parts of the country, you're not having to share a desk at this point because we've got the space. But as you mentioned, as we hire more people or as we go and uh, look at different space rent reductions of that nature, that could change. So there could be a lot of desk sharing for folks in the future. And we want to make sure everybody's aware of that, that it could be up to three to one ratio or yeah. more. Oh, yeah. And I think that the, uh, the service is under tremendous pr pressure budget-wise to you know, lessen space wherever they can do that. And that's just one more ingredient as to why this is likely to happen soon if it hasn't happened where you work. And that's one of the things that we've been emphasizing. Until it's needed, nobody should have to desk share. There are certain posts of duties across the country, and we have one in our northern part of our state in Maryville, Indiana, where there is desk sharing going on, hoteling, because of space constraints and the number of people. But if you have an equal number, you know, an equal number or more desks available than you do employees even if they're frequent teleworking, they shouldn't need to be desk sharing at this point. Okay, um, Duncan, final comments. I um, continue to you know, feel sorry for folks who are the victims of violence that they are not any sort of part of, whether it's in the Ukraine, whether it's mass shootings, Whatever it is, folks who aren't involved in anything, who didn't want it, didn't ask for it, didn't do anything to deserve it, are being, uh, you know, 
having this happen to them. And we need to take steps, whatever those steps might be, to try and reduce that, whether it be over in the Ukraine, whether it be here in the U.S., to try and reduce these tragedies, because that's what they are. They're absolute tragedies that are should be preventable or at least greatly reduced. And let me just say one thing. I always love the summer. Summer is a good time of year, in my opinion. But what I would like people to do is please be careful this summer. Uh, take the regular safety precautions. A lot of people are out in the water. Make sure that you are uh, uh, adhering to uh, all of the safety precautions that are given to you by people uh, who know the best. Uh, we want you to stay there. We want our employees and our families to, to stay around, our viewers and listeners to be there. So we don't want to lose any of you. And we definitely want uh, you to stick around and uh, be with us for our next edition of the Chapter 49 podcast, which we hope will be next week if all goes well. Duncan Giles, thank you very much. Always good to talk to you. Again, we have... Uh, uh, the uh, Chapter 49 podcast. It's available on YouTube. Just uh, search for Duncan Giles. There's more than one. Just check for all the video feed is Chapter 49 podcast. You can subscribe to Duncan's uh, YouTube uh, channel and you'll be notified whenever we do have a new podcast that's uh, been posted. Now, audio-wise, just look for a podcast by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N, on any, just about any platform where you find podcasts, and you'll find all the podcasts I produce. I produce a number of them. The Chapter 49 podcast will be on that list. So once again, we appreciate you being here. Please be safe and be kind.